and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Recap Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have with me, as always, our co-host, Grant McGallier. Grant, how are you this evening? Uh, I'm doing great, Parker. I'm currently watching the Dallas Cowboys get their butts kicked by the Arizona Cardinals, which is, I think, the first bit of sports joy I felt maybe, I don't know, a week, four days, something like that. So so I'm, I'm doing all right. Things are looking up. That's good to hear. I'm surprised about that Dallas Cowboys result. I was informed that uh, Andy Dalton was going to be an upgrade on, on Dak Prescott, and that was going to fix all their problems. Uh, they were playing Arizona and not the Wisconsin Badgers, um, so your results may vary. That's a very important context to uh, keep, uh, keep track of. Well, we don't have anything TCU-specific to recap this weekend, as it is a TCU bye week, but uh, we'll talk a little TCU uh, here in a second. But, but, but first, Grant, how was your bye week? What games did you watch this weekend? Yeah, I watched most of them through a haze of barbecue smoke. We smoked some briskets, some ribs, uh, smoking these meats, to quote Mark Zuckerberg. But uh, I watched Alabama, Georgia, uh, and I watched Texas A&M against Mississippi State. Uh, I kept some tabs on North Carolina FSU, which obviously didn't go as planned. Uh, and back and forth, we switched uh, to the Ole Miss game. But, but for the most part, it was uh, Bama, Georgia, and A&M, Mississippi State. Nice. Well, uh, I, I, yeah, I watched a bunch. I watched almost all of that Arkansas uh, Ole Miss game, which was very fun. Uh, I'm a big fan of seven turnover games uh, yeah. as, a, as a genre. Um, I'm even a, a bigger fan of seven turnover games where uh, a head coach that no one really thinks is actually a head coach is successful. And that seems really fun to me. So uh, yeah, definitely enjoyed that Arkansas game. The other one I watched was uh, UCF Memphis was like 50, 50 to 49 and Memphis scored on the last drive. Um, and then uh, and then stopped UCF on like three plays to to win, which is pretty wild. Um, I think the best part of UCF UCF Memphis was flipping over and seeing Brady White, the you know seven foot ten Memphis quarterback, yes. try and convert a two point conversion from the thirty. And hmm. he, you know, for a second thought he was Kyler Murray. He was in the open field. He's like, I'm gonna make it. He's running, and a UCF defender whose name I did not out. catch just absolutely bodied Brady White. Like, took all seven foot, you know, 400 pounds of Brady White, Jared Lorenzen-looking guy, and, uh, and put him on the ground. So that was, uh, that was immensely satisfying overall. Um, yeah, the Alabama-Georgia game, too, just uh, a slow cooker there. It wasn't quite a boat race. It wasn't quite a crock potting, but it was, it was, it was getting a little warm at the end. Well, it, you're right. It, it wasn't a boat race, but it. I always kind of have a soft spot for Alabama. I don't know why, but I think that kind of showed that, hey, Alabama probably didn't play its best game, and also they, in the second half, were not in danger of losing that game. Yeah. Like, there was an air of inevitability that Bama was just going to win, but like uh, uh, on the scoreline looked like a comfortable margin. Uh, um, Matt Jones is way more efficient than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. His, um, his like Auburn game last year, I think everyone saw that and thought, oh gosh, here's some filler, uh, you know, filler white Alabama quarterback who can't throw and like he's good. Um, the other thing I noticed, I, I put this in my column at Football Outsiders this morning, hashtag plug. Uh, Najee Harris had like 159 yards on the game, but 70 of them came after Alabama was already up two scores in the second half. So like, they kind of did what, what, you know, you talk about like the Tennessee Titans, for instance, having Derrick Henry um, and not just to compare Alabama running backs, but Alabama basically passed until they got the lead and then said, have fun tackling Najee Harris, uh, Georgia, for the rest of the second half. So that was that was a pretty impressive display. 
Have you seen, this is an aside, but since we're kind of talking about these things, it, it, it makes sense. Have you ever looked at Derrick Henry's high school stats? I saw a film the other day. I think this offseason, somebody posted his high school film. It was horrifying. So you want to talk about establishing the run, Parker. His senior year, in 13 games, he carried the ball 462 times. Oh, my gosh. It averaged 9.2 yards a carry and scored 55 touchdowns. That's like 36 so, times a game. <laughs> was he playing like single A? Well, I don't even know. It's, he's from some – like Uly, Florida. I think they went like 10-4 and four his senior year. But that – someone else had this take, but that is like a criminal act, making yeah. a like 17-year-old carry the ball 42 times a game. I see that but, he was I mean, also, it worked. It worked. I mean, it was really good. I see that he was also a starter on his high school basketball team, and I'm also very interested in that film if I was able to, uh, to dig that up. <laughs> if, if you have film from Uly, Florida's uh, – like – you know, district opener in 2011. Please send it our way. Uh, we'd be very interested in seeing it. Hop in the, hop in the DMs. Um, well, that was so, a tangent. <laughs> yeah. Well, well uh, no, but, but can I ask though, since we're, we're talking about how kind of complete of a team Alabama is, and then you look at Clemson's like 72-7 annihilation of Georgia Tech, um, in which I, th- I think you and I saw snaps in that game, Parker. Um, it's just going to be Alabama-Clemson again, right? I need to see Ohio State actually on the field to uh, yeah, I guess. definitively say that. My, my statement at this point with the knowledge that we have is that there are only three teams, right, three teams in college football who can win the national championship. There are only three. I, I hope you're not saying Notre Dame is one of them. No, no, no. I'm saying Ohio State. I'm okay, saying okay, Notre, okay. Notre Dame's, gotcha, Notre gotcha, Dame's gotcha. on the fence. Florida's on the fence. Um, I still think Florida can't can't do it, but they're, they're in that echelon of close. I think Georgia is in that echelon of close, perhaps even more so than Notre Dame or Florida and can't. I do not believe that Oregon is going to have the talent uh, given some of their opt-outs plus their shortened season. Um, I, I really think this is a, a, three, uh, a three-team game going forward. Yeah, no, I guess that's fair. And I, I'm not saying I forgot about Ohio State. I'm saying that from the teams we've seen, Bama and Clemson are in a – class by themselves and I don't really see that changing I, I, I just don't know how either of those two teams Clemson does tend to have sort of weird games even somehow more than Alabama which has played like quietly in some of the weirdest games we've ever seen like the last decade but I still think those two are probably head and shoulders above the rest of college football until again the Buckeyes take the field yeah for sure and, and with the way recruiting is going you know Saban's putting up his best classes Davos putting up his best classes the, the polarization is only going to go uh, further. And you just got to wonder, at what point do, the, uh, do Alabama and Clemson just get relegated up to the NFL? Um, they probably well, go, you know, 4-12 four and, four and 12 in a given year, but it would be a solid 4-12. and 12. It, Better than the Jets. This is also the point where I make the joke that, well, they're probably paying their players an equal amount. So, um, oh, well, they're, I mean, they're yeah. definitely paying them. Yeah, absolutely. Which, I sh- it should be clear, I support and it's good. Yeah, I mean, players. yeah, wish it was wish it was legal, but if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So Right, exactly, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said that the other day. I don't know if this is the most ethical thing I've ever thought in my entire life, but we were talking about old TCU football teams, and they said, man, just imagine if, you know, TCU's players hadn't been doing drugs in, in 2012. Like, oh, said, okay. <laughs> and I said, uh, I would settle for just them not getting caught doing drugs, frankly, at this point. Um, 
So yeah, same thing with paying players. It's not like, oh darn, Alabama's paying. They're just not getting caught paying players. That's that's fine. That's that's yeah. uh, that's above board. Which is fine. Listen, I I am all for getting that bag. Go get your money. Go do whatever. Don't get caught. And you know, have, go forth and prosper. Is my take. I'm I'm for it. I'm for it. Um, okay, speaking of complete teams, we're gonna do a little Oklahoma preview here as we're as we're kicking things around. But 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 before we get to that. I want to ask, uh, I kicked this to you the other day, and I think this would be interesting. Uh, if you were going to draft three players from other college football teams to make TCU a complete football team, um, who, who would you draft? And so for this exercise, I'm going to put you on offense, and I'm going to okay. take the defense. And let's go uh, back and forth just real quick and say, here's, here's three players from college football that I would um, – that I would, I would put on TCU's team and why they would improve. So you're on offense, I'm on defense. I'll give you the first pick. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, so two of these picks, I mean, listen, any of these players would improve the TCU offense, uh, but two of these picks are strictly need-based, and then I'm doing one that is just for me personally. Um, so my first pick off the board is uh, a junior offensive tackle uh, from BYU, Brady Christensen. Uh, who is currently Parker on pro football Focus's office of ratings is the top rated tackle in the country in both pass blocking and run blocking. He has a 92.3 pass block, 93.5 run block. He has six, six, 300. We get him for this year and for next year. And I listen, plug him in and he can only improve the offensive line. I agree. And because he's good at pass blocking, he'll actually get played on, or he, because he's good at rush blocking. They'll actually get played on TC. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is clearly the priority uh, that, that, that um, you know, the staff has decided is, is something we'll focus on. Yeah. So who's, your, I, who's, who's your defensive pick? I think my first pick is going to be a Big 12 conference uh, pick. A, a, a man, a grown man who has left an imprint on my soul uh, from the way that he just decimated TCU this season. And so I'm going to say – uh, Iowa State edge rusher Jaquan Bailey is my first yeah. pick uh, out of anyone in the nation uh, to kind of beef up TCU's uh, pass rush, which has just been non-existent overall um, this this season. Um, I, not that I want to replace any individuals and we won't go down that road, but just saying if I was going to beef up one area first, it would absolutely be, be, be the pass rush there. Yeah, completely agree. Bailey is a monster. I think this is going to be kind of a theme that we'll see uh, – throughout our picks, but we are, uh, we are focusing on problem areas and, uh, yeah, Bailey w- would only help. Uh, do you want to snake draft this? Do you want to go, uh, with yes. your second defensive pick? I would love All to right. do that. My second defensive pick is also going to be an edge rusher, but this one's a little bit more fun. <laughs> Rashad Weaver from Pittsburgh. Um, so again, okay. Pitt, very solid defense. Pitt is kind of a school that is, that is very similar to TCU. Um, Rashad Weaver has 28 snaps or 28 pressures in 147 pass uh, snaps. God almighty. Yeah. Uh, So he is, he is getting to the ball. Um, And so again, there are a lot of edge rushers you could pick here in this, in this situation to, um, to play. Uh, I think the reason that I picked Rashad Weaver is that I looked him up because I was trying to game about like eligibility and how old they are. And ultimately Rashad Weaver's middle name is Capone. And uh, that is awesome. And so I want him on my team. Because he is excellent at edge rushing, fills a need, and his middle name is Capone. Yeah, I, I'm all in on that. You know, it's funny. I was going to suggest uh, for an edge rusher, TCU should look into getting a guy like Marcel Brooks. 
That would be really nice. The LSU guy. If we could just pick him up and plug him in at edge rusher, I mean, there's no telling what he could do. It would be, um, gosh, it would what, a, be, what a novel concept. Yeah, what an addition. Um, okay, well, yeah, just just a thought out there in case somebody's listening. Um, so I, I guess my second pick is also going to be on the offensive line, which is uh, not a very sexy position, although this player does wear number 69. Uh, Aaron Banks of Notre Dame, uh, guard, rated 91.5, pass blocking by pro football focus. He is 6'6", 330, and an absolute tank. I don't think the Notre Dame Fighting Irish are going to be a playoff contender this year. I don't think Ian Book is very good, but Aaron Banks gives him all the protection he needs, uh, and I think he could beef up the line. So I'm going Aaron Banks there. I think Aaron Banks is a uh, is a really good uh, a really good pick. Um, I think again, you just you just want beefy Notre Dame Midwestern. I want dudes. Arts. Yeah, exactly. I, I want corn fed dudes that are going to block some people. I, mean, I, 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 you know, I just, just be mean and nasty and don't give up on plays halfway through and just put some people in the ground. I think Aaron Banks can do that. Absolutely. So I've drafted based on need the first two picks, and this is my fun pick. It's, it's not necessarily a surprise. I'm taking who I consider to be the best player in college football. Uh, dude, just put Jalen Waddle on this team. <laughs> uh, he's a Texas guy, some Bel Air Episcopal in Houston. I, Cannot believe what I'm seeing when I watch him play football. He is faster than everybody. His routes are sharp. They're crisp. And every game he makes a, two or three plays that you kind of like put your hand over your mouth in amazement. Just get Jalen Waddle on the team. Use him like we did Jalen Rager in, what was that, 2018, when we didn't have a quarterback at all. And just like, great, maybe snap it to him. I don't care. Put the ball in his hands and let him go to work. Uh, I, I just want to see more of Jalen Waddle. And so if he's wearing purple, that's, that's totally fine with me. For sure. Why, why is it that the TCU offense does better when they don't have a quarterback? Never mind. We're not going down that road. <laughs> um, okay. So speaking of kind of dudes, I did think if I was going to pick for my final defensive pick, kind of a, a place where TCU struggled, it has been kind of open field tackling in the second level. Just in that, you know, TCU's had some big plays that have really determined the outcome of their game that they've allowed. They've been very good, like you said, with that uh, break but don't bend defense. Um, but if you could put a ceiling on that break but don't bend, I, I definitely would want to. So I, I think I would actually just go high upside here and just go get Dylan Moses from Alabama as well. Um, just a, a versatile guy, middle of the field, kind of gives you the luxury of, of three really hardy linebackers um, some versatility there. I, I think he could be an interesting player just with um, TCU's defensive fit and then also with the fact that he's just stellar at that kind of second-level uh, run-stopping. Dylan Moses is one of those guys where in high school, like I, th- I think I watched some of his tape and I saw a couple of pictures of him and I thought he was like 28 years old. I, I was so excited to watch him in football. He had that injury last year, right? Kind of kept him out or maybe the year before? Yes, he, he – yeah. uh, Dealt with injury in 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So I'm so excited that he's, like, actually playing and is showing what he can do. Uh, yeah, Moses is a straight-up phenom. Like, my, uh, I have friend, a couple friends that are deep into, like, college football recruiting. And I remember when he was coming out, like, yeah, this guy is going to be a world beater. And sure enough, yeah, you put him in the Alabama defense, and he's pretty daggum good. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, fun little exercise to think about bye week there and just kind of, you know, what are TCU's needs? I think TCU has uh, some really good talent, especially a receiver and linebacker and defensive end that could develop as they go 
Ford also some potential good uh, pass blockers. So we'll, we'll see how rotation of personnel works, but it's fun to dream. Yeah. Can I ask you, Parker, I, 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 get, I gave my answer a little bit with Jalen Waddle, but who would you say is the best player in college football right now? Not to put you on the spot. We didn't talk about this. but So, yeah, I, if I have to talk through this, it's like who's the best? Okay, like most valuable. Right. It's most valuable, right? Trevor Lawrence. Right. So I'm going to pick a quarterback Probably. there, yeah, uh, and, and say it's Trevor Lawrence. But then if you go, like, who's the best relative to everyone else? Right. Um, man, I don't even know. Uh, who's the best player relative to everyone else? Is it – I don't know. Is it – this is a really good question. Uh, I mean, position-wise, it might be Kyle Pitts. I'm just in terms be? of who's better than everyone at their position. But, There's just you know. so many good freaking – so, like, what if – okay, my argument's, like, Panay Sewell is probably going to, like, start yeah. this year in the league, and so he's, like, way better. He opted out, though, so he doesn't count. Um, I almost took him, but I was just trying to keep guys that have played. But, yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, think, I think if you're not going a quarterback, then you're definitely looking at one of those, like, ready linemen. Um, right. Or you could look at somebody – yeah, they, I, like a couple of corner – I mean, Jamar Chase is probably – he opted out too, so I'm only thinking about guys. Yeah. But he's like, that's an NFL player playing in college. Um, and so right. that's – I think, I think those would be one of my answers. Um, I also think about it in terms of like, who would I want to build around like a non quarterback? I think, I think Sewell would be my answer as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I, and also like, okay, like running backs don't matter, whatever, but like Etienne and like, uh, and, and Najee Harris are both like incredible to watch. Oh yeah. Well, in, in terms of college, like the, remember the clarifier is not running backs don't matter. It's past a certain threshold of talent. Uh, right, 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 right. Etienne and Najee Harris are, 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 are probably both well past that threshold of talent. So, uh, you know, like imagine, just imagine being the coach at Middle Tennessee State and having Najee Harris on your roster. Right. I'm running it 40 times a game probably. No. Uh, so, so yeah, context matters a lot, but also it's like past a certain threshold of talent. So they're absolutely worth mentioning because they are both exceptional uh, athletes. Right. So, Chuba Hubbard, too, I think probably deserves a mention as far as uh, you guys that kind of stand out on the field. I've and, said it before and I'll say it again. Chance. Chuba Hubbard's not even the best running back on his team, let alone in the conference. So That's probably true. That's Chase probably is, true. Uh, it's, uh, good, to, good to always get that in. Uh, uh, the Big 12 is a land of contrasts and conclusion. No, um, the Big 12 Chuba. is just a flaming uh, – a beam of light through space that is bouncing around off particles we can't see. And every year is a different random manifestation of those, except for the one constant. How is this for a segue? Except for the one constant over the last, I don't know, feels like a millennium. Uh, Oklahoma being, being Good. the best team in the, in the Big 12. <laughs> uh, TCU plays Oklahoma this weekend. Let's do a little, let's do a little bit of a, a quick look here. So Oklahoma is uh, SP plus ranking is ninth. Uh, overall, their offense is fourth. Their defense is 47th. Uh, fourth on offense is actually a little bit lower than their standard, and 47th on defense is actually much higher than their standard. So a little bit of a weird year. They are 2-2. Two and two. They have losses to Kansas State and to Iowa State. 
Um, it is worth noting that the loss against Kansas State, they had a 63% postgame win expectancy. I believe they were up 28-7 to at one point in that game before things fell apart. SP Plus projects Oklahoma to beat TCU by 9.7 points uh, with a 71% win probability. Grant, how do you feel about 9.7 points? Well, I think that's optimistic, isn't it? I saw the line uh, as Oklahoma minus five, and I mm, I wanted to do something irresponsible. Uh, listen, um, this is a pro TCU podcast, but um, I got to pay my mortgage, so I might be looking at a. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think TCU is generally played Oklahoma close, except for a couple years where the Sooners were just clearly better, and TCU didn't have a quarterback. But you know, the volume that is beat Oklahoma. Mike Collins erasure, and dang it, I will not stand for it. Okay, okay. Look, Sam Kohlhausen had a QBR of 93 against Oklahoma in 2015. You're making that number up. No, I'm dead serious. I'm Googling I'm <laughs> right now. Uh, I'm not By the way, kidding. okay, if so, we're relitigating the past, that two-point conversion was the right call. Oh, absolutely. The Oklahoma defender made a great play batting it down. But that was absolutely the right call in that a game. Quarter, a quarter inch, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, Gary Patterson's, you know, moxie to go yeah, for it. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it, yeah, anyway. No, no, I mean, I think Oklahoma's a better team. I think they'll win this game, uh, you know, not to be depressing. But uh, I'm curious to see what uh, Duggan could do with a year under his belt against a defense that I don't think is very good. I think Oklahoma's offense is still outstanding. I think Spencer Rattler, despite kind of some of the troubles that he had, is still extremely good. So I think Oklahoma wins, but but I, I am excited to see what Duggan can do against an Oklahoma defense that, that's not, you know, I, I, I don't rate very highly. Um, so, yeah. They're, um, they're definitely better than they have been, but, but I agree. I will say yeah. last, last year, TCU really only moved the ball because of Duggan's legs, and they, they started designing for that a little bit. So the QB design run, I think, is interesting. TCU's shown a little bit more of that this year. Um, but I will say, experience Duggan, uh, OU's pass rush has been pretty decent, so I'm worried about that. We'll get into the X's and O's here. I'm well, just saying, and, I well, agree and that's that, the thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I know. It, I guess statistically, like the defense is, is probably better. I just, I've seen what they've done against like other teams in the Big 12, uh, you know, Kansas State, Iowa State, Texas, all that. And it shows that they're vulnerable. Um, and I also agree that Duggan like had success with his legs last year. Now imagine what he can do like now that he's more of a confident thrower. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, they'll, they'll they'll scheme around that. But you know who knows? Yeah. Well, um, Grant, tell us a little bit. I'll read some more numbers here in a second. But but tell us a little bit about Oklahoma and specifically their offense. Uh, you've been watching film. Uh, t- tell us, yeah. you know, kind of give us the idiot's guide to what Oklahoma is going to do on offense that TC is going to have to prepare for this weekend. So first and foremost, and, and this stood out on tape. Pretty much every time Spencer Rattler throws the ball, there's a play-action tag attached to it. So whether that's a theoretically an RPO or whether it's just lip service and say, hey, the running back's just going to run across my face and I'm going to you know, fake hand the ball, they do that, I would say, 95% of the time on pass plays. So that's something to watch. Um, it takes a little bit of time, and that might help a TCU pass rush, although – Oklahoma's offensive line is pretty good, but but it stands out on tape. Every single time he's fake handing the ball off to somebody, again, maybe it's a real RPO, maybe it isn't, but they at least give the option. Um, on opening plays, Parker, I noticed this. For the Oklahoma's first four games, uh, with the exception of a busted play, I think, where there was a bad snap, 
they have started with a pass to the flat. So two times it's just a straight, hey, fake handoff and throw directly to the wide receiver, kind of running a tunnel, little bubble screen there. One time it was a uh, fake handoff, Rattler rolled out right and dumped to the uh, either running back or the tight end in the flat. But they do a quick pass on the first play of the game in each of their first four games. Um, so that stands out. Interesting. Uh, That's reflected in – I have so I have yards per play on early downs – and mm-hmm. Oklahoma is actually 40th in the nation on that at 5.9 yards per, per early down, first and second down. Interesting. So that might be baked in. That, that, those, those kind of flat screens uh, might be baked in a little bit to, um, to that for sure. Yeah, and, and uh, that probably is just, hey, get Rattler in rhythm and you know, maybe get Charleston Rambo uh, or Marvin Mims in space. Uh, Marvin Mims, by the way, incredible wide receiver. Uh, just a flat-out athlete, comes out of Texas, uh, just, just a, a world beater. Um, Oklahoma depends a lot on GT counter, uh, which you and I were talking about beforehand, but, but for the uninitiated, that's when the backside guard and tackle pull, that's why it's GT because it's guard and tackle. Um, and as a result, you'll, you'll very rarely see Oklahoma run straight ahead. Uh, pretty much everything is outside the tackles, uh, and they really do space you out in both their passing game and their running game and try to get their athletes in space, um, which is why Lincoln Riley is a good offensive coordinator because he knows how to do that. They'll run it at a pistol. They'll run it at a shotgun. They'll run it wherever – GT counter is sort of their, their bread and butter running play. Um, and again, it, it's never, it's almost never uh, inside the tackles. They are always trying to bounce things out. Interesting. Those are uh, definitely, definitely things to look for. It's, it's crazy because they do so many things, but they still kind of have these, these basic concepts that they right. rely on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's so, and again, on the offense, it's look, get Marvin Mims out there, get Charleston Rambo out there and, and let Spencer Rattler kind of cook. Rattler has a great arm. Um, he's still making some mistakes, uh, you know, misreading defense and stuff like that, that you could see. Um, and, and that's something that an experienced and talented TCU secondary could take advantage of, but there's no doubt that they're dynamic on offense. I, I do want to point out two things about the Oklahoma defense real quick. Um, they play press a lot, whether or not it's man or zone. Sometimes they'll cheat a little bit back off the line of scrimmage, but uh, especially the sophomore quarter, uh, Jaden Davis and a couple other guys who's ever matched up against the, the, the primary wide receiver will often play press man coverage. I mean, he is one or two stats behind the line of scrimmage. And if, if it's zone, you can catch them cheating a little bit and they'll back off uh, and, and, and just kind of get in that space. But a lot of times they are ready to jam guys straight off the snap which is a product of that sort of Alex Grinch defense. I mean, he's, he's one of the better defensive coordinators in the country, or at least was heralded as such coming in. Uh, they run a 3-4, uh, over-under, always have an edge rusher ready to go. They'll drop it to kind of a 3-3-5 at some points, um, but that's kind of how they, they play. They're, I mean, they're pretty physical uh, off the line of scrimmage. Well, and that could present some problems for TCU, who's working to still kind of establish rhythm and timing and, and consistency on the passing game. So it'll be interesting to see exactly. what TCU could do to attack that. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, and look, any experienced Madden player will know that if you have a really, really good wide receiver and they play press coverage, that's an opportunity for success. If, you're, if Quentin Johnston gets the release off the line of scrimmage and beats his man, then there you go. You're kind of one-on-one on an island. The safeties aren't always there to help for Oklahoma. Um, it's, you know, they, they kind of force you to beat them, basically. And we'll see if they can, you know. But um, it, it's – it's they have a style, and Alex Grinch definitely has a style. And he's, he's put it into this, to, to this team. Uh, it's just going to be a question of whether or not, you know, TCU has the athletes to 
you know, make those kind of plays. Absolutely. I and, do I, I, and, I, and I was going to say, I would expect Duggan has some, to have to fit some balls to some windows. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, which it's just not going to be easy throws. He's capable of doing at times. He just needs to be able to do that from his feet, not his back. Sure. Right, which yeah. will be interesting. Um, I do love the idea of uh, – well, because, like, TCU, given that Pro Wells is going to be healthy, um, plays a tight end at their their wide receiver. So I do love the idea of a safety mm-hmm. or somebody trying to play jam on uh, on Pro Wells there. I think that could work out pretty yeah. well. And, um, and, and, they, and they, they will mix and match. They'll split it half and half. One guy will play press, one guy, one guy will back off a little bit. But they pretty much – again, I, my dad always told me never use absolutes, but – Almost always, they will have at least one guy playing press, uh, on you know, uh, before the snap. Definitely, that's an um, interesting, interesting observation. Uh, we also talked last week on the podcast about man zone splits for TCU, so seeing how that kind of manifests will be will be interesting. Um, in terms of overall numbers, just reading off five factors right now, success rate: Oklahoma is twenty first on offense and twenty first on defense. So they. Um, are pretty efficient on offense and pretty, pretty good at stopping efficiency on defense. Um, they are going three and out on only 14% of their non-garbage drives, which is sixth in the nation. Uh, they are, they are, they are going to be on the field for a little while. Um, their explosiveness is a, is a little damp and a little bit lower than their success. They're, they're 1.23 isolated points per play, which is 29th in the nation on offense. And their average field position is on the 35-yard line. Oklahoma is starting drives on average on the 35-yard line. Grant, what's the easiest way to make scoring touchdowns more feasible? Short fields. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Guess who gets a lot of short fields? Oklahoma. Oklahoma? Um, One thing that I think is really scary as well is that Oklahoma's expected turnover margin is uh, minus one, but their actual turnover margin is minus four. So they've had some pretty bad luck there. Uh, and it's not, it's not all luck just saying they've had some pretty bad bounces on turnovers. Right. And so you wouldn't expect that to be a source of um, continued struggle. Uh, if, if I'm looking for just really quickly for opportunities uh, for, for TCU here, um, Oklahoma's defense has allowed the explosive play. They're, they're 1.37 ISO points per play, which is 70th in the nation. Um, and they are allowing short fields. Uh, most importantly, I think the stat to watch for this game Oklahoma's points per scoring opportunity is 4.62 on defense. So scoring opportunity, of course, is a first down inside the 40. Oklahoma is 57th in the nation at preventing points once you cross the 40-yard line. TCU has, has for, for, for the moments that their offense has had success, crossing the 40 has been a curse for TCU this entire season. I think against Texas, they had four drives where they kicked four field goals once they had a first down across the 40. So, um, I want to say that kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns is bringing knives to a gunfight when you're playing Oklahoma, but honestly it's bringing knives to a gunfight in any college football game. And so this will be, this will be true here as well. Yeah, for sure. One thing I was, this is a complete aside. The Dallas Cowboys did not have a drive start inside their opponents, half of the field going into this Arizona game, like through five games of the NFL. You mentioned short fields and that, that stat just blew my mind. I haven't, um, yeah, I haven't thought of my mental model like about who's 100% responsible for that because it's like a little bit special teams, but also it's a little bit defense. Right. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, I think it's mostly defense. I mean, because like any decent punter, even if you're backed up against your end zone, can get it over the 50. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, you, you know, especially Jordy Sandy. But like, I don't know. I, that blows my mind. But no, I, I, I have a feeling that this 
is a game that's going to be full of big plays. And that could be true of a lot of TCU games, but especially this one. Last year, the Frogs made some big plays on defense. The uh, the strip of Jalen Hurts, it was Noah Daniel or Noah Daniels or Nick Bradford. No, it was Vernon Scott. This. That's why Vernon was, Scott got drafted, man. Yes, you're right. My bad, my bad. I can't believe I screwed that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Vernon Scott stripping Jalen Hurts. Obviously, that was a big play on defense. But Oklahoma had, you know, I mean, TCU only kind of got down to the red zone on big plays. Think of the Duggan scramble, stuff like that. So I, I think this is going to be kind of a big play game. Both teams almost play kind of a break but don't bend defense because of that, you know, Alex Grinch style of, hey, look, you know, we're going to play press man coverage, all that. But also, if you get behind us, you have an opportunity. Um, and there are a lot of teams that have played Oklahoma have, have managed to have big plays. So, and, and then you look at TCU, and it's got to take someone getting open or it's got to take Duggan turning a busted play into a big gain on the ground because I, I just, like you said, I don't see TCU succeeding against the Oklahoma defense and those scoring opportunities. And, and we may see a lot of Griffin Kell uh, this game. God help us. Um, well, who is good? Who is good? good? I want to point that out. Griffin Kell is good. I want him to kick all of the extra points. Yes, I want him to kick so many extra points this season. I want to see him on the field kicking extra points. We no, that's not fair. We 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 have a cult of for Jonathan Song and Jaden Overcrom. We might as well have one for Griffin Kell. He's got to earn it. He'll get there. He's got to get. He's got to. He will. He will. He will. Uh, well, Grant, that's just a, a quick little look into Oklahoma and what we're thinking about this week. Um, we will be back on Wednesday night with our with our full preview. Uh, we'll have a newsletter later this week. Uh, uh, some some good content, kind of verbalizing some of this stuff, flushing out, going deeper into details. So make sure you are subscribed and and all that good stuff. Uh, PurpleTheory.substack.com. Grant, I want to leave you with one thing before we go. Yeah. Bram Kohlhausen, 5 for 11, 122 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 98.5 QBR. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. 5 for 11 for 122 yards? (laughs) Hold on, I'm doing mental math. He averaged 25 yards of completion. He averaged 24.4. Amazing. Oh, my God. Life is a gift. I, Uh, I was at that game. That that's incredible. What a king! I love Bram Colehouse. Amazing, amazing. Uh, great. Well, that's our show for tonight. We'll uh, we'll catch up with y'all later. Go frogs. Go frogs.